0: what's up? My name is Steven and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Hey, listen, my name is Steven. I'm the lead pastor here, along with my family and an incredible team. Um, We just want to welcome all of our guests. Can we give all of our guests a hand this morning? Come on. We're excited, honored to have you with us. We know it's Memorial Day weekend, and there's a lot of other things that you could be doing, but you chose to be at church. You could have started your vacation early. You could have slept in. You could have started the grill early, marinated some steaks or whatever. But you know what? You're in church, and I believe that your Monday is going to be better because of your Sunday. Amen and that your Tuesday is going to be better. So I just want to encourage you, if you're a guest with us, we want to know that you're here. There's two ways that you can do that to let us know. We're not going to harass you. We're not going to stalk you. We're not going to chase you down. Um, Daniel might, though, if he's outside to get you a coffee cup. He's, he's an incredible, incredible leader in the church. Uh, but we, we do. We want to connect with you. We want... Just to stay connected with you through an email or a text message. There's two ways to do that. You can text the word Avenue Connect to 97000. You'll receive a link that's got some information on there. At the top of that link is um, a place for our digital connection card. And that's where you can give us your, your email, phone number. Let us know how we can be praying for you or maybe what steps um, you're wanting to take in your relationship with Jesus. And maybe this is your home church. I want to encourage you to use that connection card as well just to let us know how we can be praying with you and for you during the season. Because we are a church family. Amen. And so we go through things together. We celebrate together. We mourn together. And we want to just do that. But we can't do it if we don't know. So please let us know. Um, The only announcement that I really have uh, for you guys is in two weeks. On Sunday, June the 13th, you guys are in for an incredible treat. One of our overseers, uh, Pastor Jason Price, is going to be in the house, and, and he is a preacher. I'm not a teacher, so bring your hankies and bring your amens, because he's going to preach the house down. He, he and I were on staff together at Love and Truth in Jackson. He was our youth pastor for a season, and now he is a campus pastor for Elevation Church at Gaston Campus. So um, he speaks into my life. He's, he's my little brother in the faith. But I still learn a lot from him. So we all need those figures in our life. This is just kind of a side topic. We need a spiritual dad, our spiritual mom, and then we need a big brother or a big sister in the faith, and we need a little brother and a little sister in the faith so that we can grow into the fullness of all that God has for us. And so Pastor Jason is my little brother in the faith, and I'm telling you you guys are in for a treat. So make sure you're here, uh, and make sure to bring someone with you, not just that Sunday, but every Sunday, because we want to help people experience the way of life that they were created to live not just meant to live and that's what we do week in week out through worship and through the word and through relationships and small groups and ministry teams that's what we want to help people to do to experience everything and there's a lot to experience amen so here's what i want to do we're wrapping up a series called how to neighbor so open your bibles to Matthew chapter 28 um, we looked at this verse last week, and it really doesn't um, talk about how to neighbor, but Jesus in, in Luke, we were looking at that. Um, Jesus was answering the question about what's the greatest commandment and who is my neighbor? And so the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the great commandment. And we know that, that all the commandments, all the laws are wrapped up into those two. So if we will just follow those two and do our best to keep those two. Um, we will cover everything else. And uh, one of the things that I think we need to understand is that when it comes to the great commandment to love God, love people, it should provoke us and motivate us to want to fulfill the great commission. And so we know that a commission is a task given by someone or an authority given by someone uh, to accomplish something. And so we see here the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 16. And so we're moving from love God, love people, to the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 16, it's Jesus' kind of the last few moments here with his disciples. And he says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given how much authority? What? All authority in heaven and on earth. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. And last week we looked at that first claim that Jesus makes. Before he gives the commission, he makes this claim. He says, I've been given, you guys said it, how much authority? All authority in heaven and earth, and we need to come to the realization that Jesus doesn't just have authority in our life, and our situations, but in every single one of us inside this church and outside this church, Jesus has the ultimate authority. And and how you and I perceive and accept this authority in our life will, will either strengthen or weaken our faith, or it will also either quicken or hinder our obedience, and so it's it's kind of the trifecta like thing. It's it shouldn't be just all love. It shouldn't be all obedience to his authority, but it should be a combination of the two. So the love for for people, the love for God and understanding his authority is the trifecta to get us to fulfill this great commission. And the the incredible thing when you and I when we surrender to, uh, to God's authority, to Jesus' authority, when we surrender and submit to his authority, we're not just under it, but guess what? We also get to share in it. We also get to walk in that authority. And, and he tells us time and time again that the great things that he does, we will do those things. He tells the disciples, the great things that I've done, you will do those and even greater things than these. And you know how we do that? Not through our authority or our power, but through His authority and through His power. And so we're making this switch from loving God, loving people, to making disciples. Because ultimately that's what our responsibility is within the church, but it's also the responsibility of each and every single one of us individually, is to love God, love people, make disciples. The first part can be kind of easy. The second part, a little more difficult. And the third part, even more difficult, right? Because people can be people. Everybody's like, yeah, I know those people. You know those people? I know those people. I live with some of those people. Do you live? <laughs> you live with some of those people. You work with some of them. But we're to love God, to help us love those people, to help us then disciple those people to be followers of Jesus. And so the word disciple is really not used a whole lot today. Today, And so so when, when we are... Talking about our faith, what is the term that that we um use to associate someone who is of our faith? They are a Christian, right? And so when we you guys were on point on that. So like when when we're talking with someone like, are you a Christian? Are they a Christian? I don't know if they're a Christian, do you know that the word Christian is only used three times in scripture? It's only used three times in the New Testament, and it's not used until Acts chapter 11 when the church of Antioch is being formed. And Scripture says that that it is at this time that the disciples and believers first came to be called Christians. And so this word disciple is an old term, but it's actually used the Greek word. And, you know, when you get a Tennessean trying to speak Greek, you know, I have a hard enough time with English, (laughs) But a follower, believer, disciple is this Greek word, methadis. Did, did I get that right? And in Tennessee, you're like, methadis. Are you talking about a Mercedes? What are we doing? Are we driving? No, but it's, it's methadis. And it means submitted student. Submitted student to a leader or a teacher. And we see this term show up over 240 times. In the New Testament. So I don't know about you, but but I want to be labeled a disciple, not just a Christian. Because in our culture today, in all honesty and truth talking, like Christians, we get a bad rap, we've lost some of our influence, but we need to come back to being a follower. We need to come back to being a believer. We need to come back to being a submitted student, a disciple. And and when you look in Jesus' term, there were there were disciples everywhere there were different disciples of different rabbis and rabbis was the term for teacher in this time and and they had this saying and some of you may have heard it because because rabbis and teachers would pick their disciples. And they would go through and there was this whole process of, of growing through like elementary school, middle school, high school. And you had to memorize different parts of the Old Testament of the Torah. And if you, if you did really, really good at that, then, then you got to go on to middle school. And if you did really, really good at that and, and memorized and, and, and showed promise and, 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 and showed um, aptitude and ability, you would get picked by a rabbi. And if you didn't get picked, you went home and you had to learn your parents trade. And so when you think about it like when Peter, James and John were picked by Jesus, they weren't the best of the best. They got sent home by other rabbis and other teachers. But but Jesus saw something in them and said come and follow me. And so 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 different rabbis and different teachers had had disciples. And there was a saying if you were a really good disciple and you had a really good teacher, they would say, may you be covered by the dust of your rabbi. And, and what that meant is that you would follow your rabbi so close, and they walked everywhere, and it didn't rain a lot. So what happens when you're walking down a dusty road? You get dirty, you get dust, you're walking. And so you would follow so close that as your rabbi, as your teacher was walking, his footsteps would, would, would billow up dust from the road but you're walking so close that that dust begins to cover you and so what would happen is these disciples of the rabbis they would see what the rabbi saw they would hear what the rabbi said they would spend a way more time with their rabbi than what we get to spend together because of the culture of the day and so when you look at Jesus, and it, it brings it into context, Jesus makes a statement in, in Matthew 16. It says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Your own way of doing things. You must give up your life. And if you've been to church at all, you've, you, you've heard this, you've read this, and, and you must take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And see, what happens to a true disciple who's following his rabbi close enough that the dust covers him is that the life of the teacher becomes the life of the student. Is that he's with his teacher enough and he's seen enough and he's heard enough and he's experienced enough that the life of the teacher then becomes the life of the student. And that's what Jesus is wanting for us is for his life to become our life, for for us as disciples to take on him. And so I don't, I don't want to make any assumptions. And a lot of times, like we go to church and... and you know, whoever's speaking, and they don't mean any harm, but they just make assumptions that everybody in the room knows exactly and understands exactly the same thing. And I don't want to make any assumptions that we all fully understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because, like, sometimes we've been in church for a long time, and and then we come to a point in our life, in our relationship, we're like realize I really haven't been following close enough that I'm covered with this dust, that I haven't really been following close enough that I know exactly in everything that, that he's calling me to do to be a submitted student, to be that disciple. And so when we look at what it is, just the basic stuff, guys, for you and I to be a disciple, it's, it's belief in Jesus that results, results in a relationship. Belief in Jesus that results in a relationship that is, that is also marked by baptism. He says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So a mark of a disciple is someone who has entered the waters of baptism. And really, like in in American culture, it's not become as prominent as what it should be. And like I'm not throwing any shade or shame on anyone because because we all have like valid excuses in our mind. It's it's not the right time. I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I want to wait till Granny can be there, right? We all have these excuses of just waiting for the right time. But the right time is the moment that you come in a relationship. Now, for us, like we're portable. We just like we we could throw up a baptistry every Sunday, but we will. Baptize you whenever you decide, and we will find a place. We were talking in our coordinators' meeting the other day, like we can go right down here to the stones river and i, I like, we might have to baptize you. We might have to give you a bath, like, a for real, come back and take a shower at the Walnut House after we baptize you down there. Like, sin's gone, but you got some other funk we got to take, <laughs> take care of, right? <laughs> so, but, but, but we will make it happen wherever we need to because that is the mark of a disciple. It doesn't save you, but it's a mark of a disciple. And another mark of a disciple is is someone who is is learning Jesus' teachings, their actions from his word and from other leaders, from other followers, and then beginning to take on his nature and his character and his values through his word, through sermons, and also through the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. And then it's beginning to make life choices based on that. And, and I promise you, the closer and the longer you walk as a disciple with Jesus, you will see your value shift. You will see things that were okay with your conscience two years ago that are not okay with your conscience now. Because in college, like, like you, know, I, you know, I kind of drifted from the Lord and just did my own thing for a while, but I still considered myself a Christian. I even had a silhouette sticker of Jesus on the back of my Dodge Dakota so that everywhere I went, Jesus would be there. But really, he was supposed to be here because that shadow didn't do much conviction, right? But the things that I did even then and, you know, the media that I took in that I try to go back and reminisce and it hurts my heart and hurts my spirit when I try to listen to it now because what's happened is I've, I've grown and I've matured and I've gotten a little closer to my rabbi, to my teacher, and his life is now becoming my life. And so these are all like marks of a disciple and then Jesus comes to disciples at this point and he gives them this great commission and he says, As my disciples make more disciples, and we kind of stop there. It's like, hold on, I don't want that much, that's too much responsibility. I'm not qualified to be able to do that. We've all thought that. Like, I'm I'm not a very good teacher, I'm not a communicator, I don't know enough about the scripture. I don't know that I can be a discipler, but what Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to be my disciple, guess what you have to do? You have to make disciples. And just on behalf of the Western church, like we owe our church an apology because I think we've unintentionally made it intimidating on what it looks like to disciple someone because we, we make it look like what I'm doing right now is discipling someone that I could never do that because there's no way that I'm going to get in front of a crowd and preach and teach. I don't know enough scripture. And, and we've unintentionally made it intimidating. Would you guys agree? Like, like for me to, to look at you and say, look, if you're going to be a close follower of Jesus, you got to go make more followers of Jesus. And we're all like, holy cow, I don't even know where to start. You just start where you are. We've made it intimidating. We've made it seem like something that we can't do, that it's for the gifted, it's for the charismatic. And I've even been in rooms and I've been in services where I've heard the speakers say that I give you enough in 30 minutes to last you all week. And there's some good preachers out there, but I have to eat more than once, y'all. Like if, if I only eat on Sundays in the natural like, I'm not going to be, like, I'm going to be hangry by Sunday afternoon, right? <laughs> no, not no, all. Honestly, I probably only need to eat, like, I need to eat way less meals than what I do. <laughs> complete side note, we had some Oreos in our pantry, and I go in and snack on them, and they were the double stuff. And I go in last night, and there's one that's, like, quadruple stuffed. And Addison, my middle daughter, had taken a whole bunch of the stuffing of a whole bunch of the, <laughs> of the Oreos and just put them all on there. And she even smoothed out the edges. It was so epic. It was so beautiful. I couldn't even eat it. Right. And so, so I just took all like the shells and just all the cookie part and ate those. But I have no idea why I'm telling that story. But if we only ate once a week, we would be starving. But we come to church and we expect Sunday mornings or Wednesday night to be enough to sustain us through the week. Or even more so, we expect it to, to sustain the person ne- next to us or behind us and realizing that we all have to feast together. And so I, I, I want to encourage us to not only be a church that makes disciples, and look, we are Four months old into this thing. We're still learning to crawl, learning to walk, figuring things out. And I was telling the coordinators this past week, there's so much that I want to do, but I know I can't do it all right now. And there's so much that I want to get right that I'm not going to get it all right now. Because this is a lifelong journey for us and a lifelong journey for you. That's what discipleship is. It's not, and, and we try to microwave it, right? We try to hurry it up. We try to speed it up. But Jesus spent three and a half years with these 12 guys. And it wasn't an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. It was every day, all day, walking together, eating together, talking together, fighting battles together, going through storms together. So they saw the best of Jesus and they saw the worst of Jesus. Are we willing to let people see the best in us and the worst in us if it brings them closer to him? Because that's what discipleship is. It's doing life together. And so we have to move from loving God, loving people, to making disciples. And Jesus used everyone. You know, he used unschooled fishermen. He used hated tax collectors. He used prostitutes. He used people who had been possessed by demons. And he's using an insecure mama's boy right now, right? He can use... Anybody, if you, it's, it's, it's not, and you guys have heard this. This isn't new. It's not about your ability, but it's about your what? Availability. Just allowing him to use you where you are and how you're gifted. And And to be honest, you have everything that you need to make disciples. You have everything that you need right now to start where you're at to fulfill the great commission. And And Paul says this. Paul says this in, in Corinthians 11 verse 1, and he makes this call to the church. And this is huge when you, when you think about it. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. He's not saying, I've got it all together. I'm Mr. Perfect. Follow me. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Because what happens as they are following Paul, he doesn't want them to look more like Paul He wants them to look more like Christ. And it is not my desire, it is not my purpose for you as you're following me and Avenue Church to look more like me. Because that's a rough look, (laughs) right? (laughs) To look more like me. My desire, our desire for you is as you follow us that you look more like Christ. That you walk more in his power, in his presence, in his authority. And so really, you have everything that you need. The first thing you need is this, is, is, is you need God's Word. You need God's Word. And, and we've talked about this, probably Circle back around every two to three weeks. We need God's Word. And 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul's given, you know, his little protege some advice. He says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, makes us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us and teaches us to do what is right. That's all that you need. Now, listen, there is absolutely nothing wrong with curriculum and Christian books. Like, our ladies group just finished up an incredible curriculum with Jenny Allen, and we're looking at the fall doing, you know, a couple of guys groups, and I love Craig Rochelle wrote a book called Fight that talks about how we are to fight as men within our families, but in a good way, the spiritual warfare, Mark Batterson, the Circle Maker, is like I read that book once a year, and and there are some great Christian living and like Bible study curriculums out there. But guess what? Every single one of those books point back to this guy right here. And so, if we really wanted to, we could cut out the (laughs) middleman. And and just go straight to this. Those books are helpful. Those curriculums are helpful because they help us gain insight and perspective and knowledge and wisdom. But to get started, all you need is God's word. And all you need is what he's showing you right now. And he, he told the disciples, teach them to obey everything that I've told you. Was everything that Jesus told the disciples up to that point, everything that they would know about him? No. So they weren't saying, like Jesus wasn't saying, you need to teach them everything about me right now. He said, just teach them what you know right now. And so for us, making disciples, all we're doing is teaching people what we know right now. So you need God's word. The second thing you need is, is the Holy Spirit. Can't leave him out. Him. Can't leave because Jesus makes a statement. He says, I will be with you. Be sure of this. I will be with you always, even until the ends of the age. He is with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit working and moving in our life. And he wouldn't even let the disciples leave, even though he gave them this great commission and said, go make disciples of all nations. When he got ready for them to do that, he told them to go to Jerusalem and to wait. In Acts chapter 1, do not go anywhere until you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Because Jesus told the disciples, look, when I leave, I'm going to send a help. And he's going to remind you of everything. He's going to lead you into all truths. He's going to be with you. He's going to be your advocate. He's going to be your comforter. And then he tells the disciples, go and wait until he gets there. And then you can go. And so you're not going alone. Jesus is with you. You're not discipling alone. Jesus is with you discipling through the Holy Spirit. You need his word. You need his spirit. And then this is the next thing that we all have to have is we all have to have time. We've got time. We talked about this two or three weeks ago. Go listen to it on the podcast. Like, we have to make sure we're using our time in the right way. We waste time. The disciples spent three and a half years with Jesus and then he released them to go make disciples. Let me talk to parents. You've got about 18, depending on when they move out, 18 to 35 years. (laughs) I've told Ella, I was like, look, you can stay home to like 22, 23 when you graduate college. Um, If you're working on your master's, we might let you stick around a little longer um, you can stay, but you're going to start paying rent, <laughs> right? No. But parents, we have an incredible opportunity for a number of years to disciple our kids. Yeah. And look, and I, I, like, I know it can be intimidating. Like, these are crazy times. I spent 12 years as a youth pastor, and I'm trying to figure out my teenager, right? I thought I was an expert. I know absolutely nothing, <laughs> right? But you get a disciple, a person, in your home 24 hours a day listen to me mom and dad don't waste it like you don't have to get it right you can do little things along the way and like i'm i'm thankful that i started planting seeds when my kids were young and just praying and just talking about the hard stuff even then and and now like the hard stuff is getting even harder to talk about it but we push through and you know the old testament deuteronomy says to talk about these things with your children when they're waking up when you're walking al- along the road and when you're putting them to bed it's it's not just a sunday morning and and it's it's not just a wednesday it is a day to day week in week out thing and so parents we've got a prime opportunity to do that and you're not going to get it right all the time you're not like they're going to see you fight with your spouse. They're going to see you get upset. They might even hear you say some things you shouldn't say. But you come back and you have those conversations of how you're learning and what Jesus is showing you. And it's through complete humility. And really, guys, that's, that's what any of it is. It's just walking in humility and realizing that we don't have all this figured out to begin with and that Jesus is still working in us. And guess what? That takes time. For those of you who are at work, I'm not saying you have to go preach to people. But who can you disciple 20 minutes a week? Like if you've working, like you been working with them five years, you're like, that's five years too long. You had five years to invest. Maybe you're with them another five years. What are you going to do with that? We all have time. Just don't leave it to the guy with the microphone to do the discipling. When you're with them. Because I'm not like, like my goal is not to just give you everything to get you through your week, but, but to hopefully share some things with you that you can share with other people that will encourage, equip and, and uh, empower them with the time that you have. And I said this earlier, like we expect it to, to be microwaved. Like there, you know, there's multiple ways to cook a hot dog. You can cook one on the grill. You can cook one like in a pot of water. You can cook it on a skillet. But, you know, it's real quick just to throw one in the microwave for 45 seconds. It looks really deformed if you cook it more than 45 seconds, right? When we try to speed up discipleship and make it quicker, it gets deformed. It gets corrupted. It gets toxic. It takes time. As a youth pastor, you know, you expect to see these kids make these just Huge jumps and improvements, and you see God do a work at their life at the altar, and, and you think this is just with teenagers. And the longer I've been working with adults, it's not just teenagers, it's humans, <laughs> right? We make these advances, and we grow close in our relationship with God, and then we go through a season, and then we backpedal, and we, you know, there's, there's a part where, it, where Jesus has been arrested, and Peter's following him. And it says, Peter followed from a distance, and there are times and seasons in our life where we are following Jesus close and his dust is all over us, and we, like, enjoy those moments. But then there are seasons and times in our life where, where we fall back and we're following Jesus from a distance. And so as, as a pastor, sometimes we, we want to microwave discipleship and think we can just take care of it quickly. And it doesn't happen. Discipleship is not planting a vegetable garden where you plant some seeds or some plants and in three months you have fruit. doesn't always work that way. Discipleship is more like a redwood forest. It takes years for maturity to come. And I heard another pastor say one time, like, like we want to plant sod. God wants to plant seed. <laughs> we want it to be automatically just gorgeous and lush. We want our life to be perfect. God's not about sodding our front yard in our life. He's about planting seed." to give time to grow so that we can experience it. So you've got time. So you need God's word, the Holy Spirit, and time. And then the next thing is this, is we need relationships. Who in your life can you be discipling? Paul gives Timothy some advice. He says, you've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. so what Paul is saying, look, I've I've taught these things in public. People have heard me. You know what's reliable. You know what I'm saying is the truth. And he says, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So it's not that you're just passing information on for the sake of passing information on. You're not just discipling for the sake of discipling, but we are discipling people who will then in turn, guess guess what, do what? Pass it on. Disciple. It's not addition. The kingdom doesn't work through addition. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God works through multiplication. And so who in your life Can you be discipling that they can be discipling? Again, it goes back to the time. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to take some time. And really, honestly, guys, this is the most important piece, is the relationship piece. God's word is important. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit's important. Time's important. But when Jesus came to the end of his ministry and he brought all of his disciples and he's telling them all of his plans at the end and giving him these final details, he says, I'm not telling you all these things. Because you are my servants, because a master doesn't know his servants' secrets. He says, I'm telling you all these things because you are my friends. And for the people that you really consider your friends, these are the things that you need to be sharing with them. That we move beyond loving God, loving people, that really the, the greater responsibility is making disciples. And so like over the course of the life of our church, as we grow and as we learn and as we... Disciple you guys, it's our heart to disciple others who will disciple others, who will disciple others. Because this is, this is what it's about. And I've thought about this kind of last minute last night. Discipleship is not a, a life of sinless perfection, but a lifetime of growing in Christ. And it's like we get it backwards. We think that discipleship is about living a life Without sin and complete perfection, but it's not. Discipleship is a lifetime of growing in Christ. As we know Him more, we follow Him more, we share more. As we know Him more, we grow more. And it's not about getting everything right all the time. And so, for those of you who are, who are disciples, You've accepted Christ into your heart. You've been baptized, or maybe you haven't, and, and, and you're doing your best to learn his heart, to learn his teachings, to do what he did. We have an obligation and a responsibility, you and I, not just me from a stage, but also relationally over coffee, over lunch, with relationships, to making disciples and teaching them. And that's a responsibility that's just not on me, but also on you. And so maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm I'm not even sure I'm a disciple. I'm kind of like, I prayed a prayer once, but I didn't really feel like anything changed and things just kind of, I didn't make any changes. And it's maybe because you were trying to hold on to your own way and follow Jesus's way. You can't do both, guys. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have your way and his way. Because if you try to hold on to your way, you lose his way. You try to hold on to your life, you lose the life that he has for you. And and the purpose and the destiny and the plan that he has for you is way, way greater than the plan you could ever make for yourself. But that starts when Jesus says this. He says, you must take up your cross and follow me and let go of this life. And then you gain real life. Let's close our eyes and bow our head, and if you're here today and, you know, the word discipleship and disciple, follower, believer is just a foreign term to you because you're not walking in relationship with Jesus, it is our heart that you would leave here today walking in relationship with Him. And there's some things in your life that, you know, you don't have to get straight because he's done all the work for you, right? Listen, he's done all the work. So many times people think, well, i gotta get some, I got to make some changes in my life before I can commit. i gotta make some cha- I got I to do better before Jesus loves me. You know, Scripture says that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, while we were still in our sin, Jesus Christ died for us. And Scripture says, it's crazy, it was at just the right time. So there's no better time than right now in this moment if you're not in a relationship with Jesus to come in relationship with him. And that comes through repentance, of apologizing, accepting the work that he's done. But really it's just, it's just simply saying, Jesus, I give you my life. And if that's you today and you need a fresh start with Jesus, would you just lift your hand? Lifting your hand doesn't save you, but it's just an outward expression of the work that's taking place in your life. It's saying, I've gotten it wrong, but I need you to help me get it right. Come on, awesome. All right, look at me guys, I love it. Whether you raised your hand or whether you lifted your heart, in a moment we're going to pray and it's in that moment that you come into relationship with Jesus and scripture says that all those who are in Christ are a new creation. All the old is gone and everything is made new and so that guilt and that shame maybe that you've been carrying around and not feeling good enough or worthy enough, it says that because of him we are in right standing which means we are made righteous. It says without fault, without blemish. So today begins the first day of the rest of your life. As we pray that and for the rest of us who are disciples, it's my prayer that we would follow Jesus so closely that we would see what he sees, that we would hear his voice and that we would be covered by his dust. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this day. God, I thank you for these men and women that are here. God, most importantly, we thank you that your presence has been here during this whole time that your spirit has been moving in our hearts and our minds and in our souls. And God, for those who lifted their hands or lifted their heart, declaring that they need a savior, that in this moment, God, I pray they acknowledge you as that, that they say yes to you and no to their old ways, that they repent, God, that they accept the life that you have for them, that they accept the sacrifice that you made for them. And knowing, God, that the purpose and the plan and the destiny you have for them in your way is way better than they could ever think or imagine. And God, for those of us who call Avenue Church home or maybe we've been following you for a while, it's my heart and my desire that we would we would move beyond just loving God and loving people and doing our best to to do right things and good things, but that we would take that next step no matter how uncomfortable it would be, no matter how ill-equipped, no matter how ill-prepared, we feel like we may be, God, that we would trust you and your word and your spirit with the time that we have and the people that you've surrounded us to teach them about you, to lead them into relationship with you. So Father, I pray that that you would open our eyes, God, that you would give us opportunities even this week as we go back to work or maybe while we're at home this evening just to start those conversations. And know that it's not an overnight event, but it's a lifelong progress of growing closer to you. So, Father, we thank you for this day and what you're doing in our lives in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap. Come on, awesome.